Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Kidlit Chronicles. Hello. This is Chelsea and Nikki and Hannah. Yes. And we are back once again with our next installment of The Inheritance Cycle by Christopher Paolini. The longest book in the world. (laughs) Okay, anyways, we have read Aragon and then Eldest, and now we're on the third book, Brissinger. Yes, the longest book in the world. (laughs) Boy, what a journey it's been. What a journey. A long, long journey. (laughs) Okay, yes, a lot happens in this book. And conveniently, I have a good summary of all the things that happen. What happens in those 830-something pages? (laughs) I don't think it's actually 800 pages, is it? It is. I looked it up. It's the longest book I've ever read in my life. Really? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Until next time. Until next time, then that'll be the longest book I've ever read. Yeah, I think Inheritance, the last book, is longer. Yeah. So okay. Well, anyways, <laughs> let's get to things that happened in Brissinger. Okay, what so happened? the book starts off with like um, what is it called? It's like a rescue mission. Yeah, is that kind of the genre of film revenge? A heist quest. Yes, heist. It's a heist. Um, after having reunited with Aragon at the end of the second book, he's like, "You need to help me avenge the." you know, how, like, everyone had to leave Carvajal and we needed to kill the Razik, who currently have Katrina kidnapped. So then they go to the home of the Razik, which is in the Empire, and they succeed. And, yeah, so they rescue Katrina, and then Katrina joins the Varden. And so that was the first part of the book. And then... Then the book kind of alternates between two things, which is like what's going on with Aragon and what's going on with everybody else at the Varden. So what's going on with Aragon throughout the book is that he goes back to the land of the dwarves, Farthendur, um, to oversee the election of the new dwarf king because the old one, Hrothgar, was killed at the end of book two. And then there's this very long political intrigue episode and finally, Orc is the new kink, which is great because he supports the Varden. We love Orc. Yes. Then Aragon goes back to the elves to learn how to defeat Galvatorix because he was, um, what is to say, slapped by Murtag in the previous battle. I yeah, feel like that doesn't. By what are you talking about? No, I'm trying to say he was crushed, but in a funny way. Oh. And then I couldn't. He was like, he was like, cursed. He was like destroyed. <laughs> he was like over. He, he got wrecked. He was clapped. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. He was clapped by Murta. Clapped. <laughs> he got his cheeks clapped by Murta. <laughs> hey, that's no. Hey, okay, that's not appropriate for this podcast. <laughs> Is it not? <laughs> well, I have something else that I wanted to talk to you guys about that's not super appropriate, but that'll be for later. <laughs> okay, so I can't say cheeks clapped. <laughs> That's something I want to talk about in terms of this book, but that'll come up later as well. <laughs> but you know that my English professor listens to every episode that I like share on Facebook. She knows what she's getting herself into. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> he gets clapped by Murtag in battle, and he's like, why did this happen? Why is he so much more powerful than me? And so then they learn what that is, and it's because of the a new thing that we learn about, which is the Eldenari, which are these 
hard stones that live in dragons' bodies that basically contain their souls, and you can use it to like harness their energy even after they die. And he also gets a new sword because Murtag took his old one, and it's a very strong recurring theme throughout the book that he needs a sword. Um, and so then he gets a new one, which he names Brissinger, which is the title of the book, and it bursts into flames when you say Brissinger, mm. which is pretty cool. Roll credits. So that's everything that happens to Aragon. And then back at the Varden, um, we just see the army advancing into the Empire. Uh, Nazwada has to deal with racism against the Urgles, because everybody's racist. Uh, and then Roran goes on a bunch of missions for the Varden, and he basically slaughters an entire army by himself, which was very <laughs> badass. What a Chad move. <laughs> yeah. And he gets married. <laughs> and he gets married. And, and also Katrina's really pregnant. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, other major plot points. <laughs> um, Aragon learns how to cure Elva's curse, but then only kind of. So she still has the power to like sense people's suffering, but it's kind of voluntary. Um, we learn that Brahm is Aragon's father. And then yeah. <laughs> at the end, there's a big battle again. And Aramis and Gladier perish. Who because they've seen it coming? I know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought that Oramus would die? Who okay. Known? Okay, but you understand. <laughs> I did not intentionally know, try to spoil I know, that. I know. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but yes. But I mean, come on. It's like, that's just like a thing that has happened. Like the mentor always has to die, right? No, because that's they the only, don't. Because that's the only way that like the protagonist it's like representative of them like coming fully into their own independence and yeah. like not having to rely on anybody else. Well, sometimes their pet owl dies or sometimes their mentor doesn't die like in the Rangers Apprentice. Are you the best Were you just referencing Harry Potter in which <laughs> Dumbledore, Dumbledore dies? dies. <laughs> no, Hedwig dying is the last crumb of his innocence but going that away. That doesn't change the fact that Dumbledore dies big time. <laughs> well, Dumbledore is the worst mentor figure. <laughs> In Harry Potter. Okay, I'm talking about Sirius is a mentor figure, and also Sirius is a mentor figure, and, and he, he also dies. dies. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> okay. This is not the Harry Potter podcast. <laughs> you would think. Yeah. No. It's like an extreme trope. It's like the mentor dies, and the protagonist is like, "I'm not ready yet," you know, and like has that mm-hmm. whole thing. And Aragon had that exact monologue. So. Twice. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so (laughs) I think that those are all the big things. Where do we want to start? Because I have some things that we could talk about, but I want if anybody has any burning desires. Uh, Well, something that I kept seeing in my notes, uh, one thing was just that everybody, there's so much dialogue. (laughs) everybody talks so much all the time and then there are these like brief stints of several pages where people will just go on about one thing for a very long time and it's like elva's like monologue about her like condition that was very long that was extremely long i remember that uh there was that whole conversation with naswada and like the leader of the nighthawks where they discussed the catchphrase of the nighthawks yeah um that took a while the conversation with the tree <laughs> uh stuff like that. Hey, I um, thought the tree thing was pretty cool. Okay, related question to that that I yes. had. What do you think the Manoa tree took from Aragon? 
I kind of zoned out during that part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what happened? I'll it was tell like, you what happened. Safira attacked the tree, and then Aragon was like, no, stop. And the tree was like, I'm going to kill you. And then Aragon was like, no, wait, we're going to defeat Galvatorix. And the tree was like, okay, you're safe for now. And then, yeah, so. And then she gave uh, them, like, the the medal for the sword. The medal for the sword. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And then she asked, like, well, what are you going to give me in return? And oh. he said anything. And she was like, okay. But she didn't say what it was she took. But when she was giving um, them the medal, it said that Aragorn felt a twinge in his gut. Oh. And then it passed. And then he forgot about it. Well, I think I misinterpreted that. I thought she would take Sling in the future, but I mean, you finished the series, so I guess she took Sling then, and we'll find out what that is. So I don't know. Did she make him barren? <laughs> <laughs> like an Into the Woods? <laughs> See, I can, so I can tell you, this question is not answered in the next book. Oh, like, it's no. not answered. It's not in, ever answered? It's not answered in this series. And oh, interesting. Yes, people have taken that detail about the twinge in his gut. I, I saw Reddit discourse about oh, this. People okay. are like, yeah, maybe so they took like an iceberg deep cut. <laughs> yeah, they're like, maybe they she took his fertility yeah. or took like Saphira's right. fertility. Um, oh, that would but, be bad if she took Saphira's fertility. Yeah, but apparently Christopher Paolini um, like tweeted that 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 both of them were able to have kids. So oh. then it's just like, who knows yeah. what they took. Huh. Reminds me of the story that the Urgle told Aragon earlier about the the legend in his tribe or whatever, where there was like a woman who was ugly, but she had a nice smile, but she asked a goddess to be beautiful. And the goddess was like, okay, but like, I'm going to take something from you. And she was like, you can have anything. And the goddess is like, all right. <laughs> and then she married the the mule or whatever the male <laughs> ergles are called. What are they called? Oh, ram. She, male, uh, she married the ram. The and mule. then they had kids. <laughs> and then she took the firstborn kid. And, and she was like, it's like a be careful what you wish for thing. Yeah. That's kind yeah. of pretty similar. That's actually really interesting. I never connected the two. But I think the fact that they're in the same book probably means something. Hmm. Hmm. Well, Aragon's firstborn child. <laughs> I guess so. It belongs to the tree. It's it will become the the monster. Oh, yeah. See, another theory that somebody had was that they <laughs> that the tree took some of Aragon's seed, <laughs> and no. that the tree was going to make like an a child <laughs> from him and her. What? Yeah. Is that a theory? A popular theory? Somebody commented on it. One person at least <laughs> yeah. believes that. <laughs> well, yeah, it because it's not the infertility thing. But mm -hmm. if you remember, like, the legend, like, what happened to the Manoa tree is that she was, like, a much older woman in love with a younger man. Mm -hmm. And then he got bored of her and, like, dumped her for a younger woman. Oh. So... She never got the chance, I guess, to have, like, a child. Um, mm. So that's why people were thinking it. Oh, boy. I hope that's not it. <laughs> that's real weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's still, like, 17. That's true. <laughs> don't take his seed. <laughs> weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. 
much to think about. I wish that it would get answered in the series because I feel like Christopher Paulini does a good job of like bringing up like things that he's planted earlier and like wrapping them up. But I mean, I guess he just wants to leave it unknown. I don't know. Sorry. Go ahead. Much like this one quote that I wrote down that I'm anticipating will have bearing later in the series. Uh It was that swords guy. He was like, just you wait. This battle will be won with a sword through Galvatorix's heart. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I'm going to write this down. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, there are so many lines like that where it's like predicting something going to happen in the future. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to save that for later just in case. (laughs) Well, I I can't say anything. No, you can't. About that. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm predicting, that that's going to be the case. Okay. Anyway. I think we should talk about the big moments because there were, you guys had some predictions in the past that were resolved. I at my old notes. Well, did we ever say that Brahm was his dad? We might have said that jokingly. I think somebody said it jokingly. <laughs> but you did, yeah, you did guess that like Aragon and Martag were brothers, right? Which that ended up happening. Oh, yeah, Nikki guessed that. Yeah. Uh,. There are so many twists upon twists. That was another complaint that I had. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this, I, everything with Brom. I'm like, come on, man. He okay. could have been so cool while he was alive. He could have been such an interesting character. But we're learning like the, all these twists after his death. And then we're learning that all those twists were not entirely true. And then there's more twists on top of that. Okay. And it's all about a dead character. Yeah. Yes, but... Uh, let me tell you, when I first read Brisinger, and I got, I still remember getting to that <laughs> that final line where Glad- Gladier says, your father was Brom. Yeah. And I was like, <gasps> I was like, brain, yeah. like exploded. You know what I said when I got to that part? I went, no! <laughs> <laughs> Brom? No, that's stupid. <laughs> I think one of my biggest confusions is, like, why did he go a whole book thinking his father was Morzen? Like, what purpose did that serve? I know. Except for why? that it set up a twist, which is something I hate when that happens. <laughs> like, pointlessly creating confusion the just for the purpose of creating a twist. Like, if there was a no, reason. No, I don't think that's true. I think, I think the reason was to place him, to really have him reflect on his role versus like Murtags or like, you know, like the different paths, I guess that people's lives can take, even when it's like completely out of their control. Like I, cause I guess, yeah. Cause like, I think the fact that they're like related is supposed to show that like, I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, just to, just to play devil's advocate, that could still be the case <laughs> since they have the same mother potentially. What? Well, I think it's just like she used to be evil. Yeah, she was evil. Yeah, but that's true. That was another twist. But how else could they have done it? You know, done what? Well, they could have been like you have the same mother, and your mother was also evil. They could have just had that twist instead of, and then your father was also evil. <laughs> no, but I think that that was just the thing is that everyone just assumed that it was Morzen because. Selena was known to have been like his wife or his consort or something. So 
the only thing they knew for certain was that it was like Selena was Aragon's mother yeah. and also So Mor- the twist could have been your mother was evil and not your father was Morzan who was evil. <laughs> you know? Like he already knows his mother is Selena, but then he learns that his mother was Selena who was also evil at some point. So then he's like, no, but I think he already knew about morality. No, but I think he already knew his mother. No, but that is the thing because, like, if he knows that his father was Morzan, like that was the twist. He knew his father was Morzan. Then he was like, how could like my mother have done this? Like, doesn't that mean that she's evil? Like that was part of the conflict. But I I think the the reason why everyone focused on the fact that his father was Morzan was because it's like he was one of the like perpetrators of uh, genocide. You know, like (laughs) so. It was just something that was assumed. I, I feel like they couldn't have done it any other way unless they just revealed everything at the same time. Yeah, I guess. But this, like, multi-stepped unveiling is tedious. <laughs> IMO. Just a little bit. How did how did he find out that his dad was Morzen, allegedly? I forgot. It's because... Him. No, it's because the twins, they searched his brain that one time. Yeah. Oh. And they put it together because he knew that his mom, like, like came to Carvajal pregnant and then left and then was never seen again. So then it was like the twins were like, oh, this is Selena. And then they know that Selena is Murtag's mother. So then they're like, you have the same mother. So you guys have the same father, too. Okay. Yeah, but, but who told him? Wasn't it Murtag? It was Murtag. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that could have just not happened I don't know. (laughs) No, but I think he wanted to say it just to be like, haha, like you have this terrible legacy too. I found it was kind of, it was kind of annoying, like, oh, your father's more than just kidding. It's Brahm. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, it's like he has to have an important dad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, but that is really, that's pretty much in the tradition of, um, a lot of yeah like traditional like fairy tale fantasy yeah. stories anime yeah <laughs> like you might be poor and an orphan but inside you are noble because mm-hmm. of your ancestry is that a good lesson no but it's just <laughs> a trope that has persisted for centuries it's true it it really you know, sometimes it's too much. Like in, like, Ray Palpatine, you know, that one. Yeah. It's a bit too much. Yeah. So, so it's not always, it's not always a neutral thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The only thing I took from, well, okay, not the only thing, but, like, I was just, like, thinking about with Brahm as Aragorn's father, like, is he, like, younger than I thought he was? Or Bra- like- <laughs> yeah, I thought he was, like, the oldest man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then And then he, like, seduced... Selena or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> See, that part is kind of it's it's unclear. Yeah, yeah. Because he seems like he was pretty old when Aragon was a teenager. Yeah, yeah. But it, I, I, it can happen. I it can. Yeah, but He's they might have. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. He might have just had like a really big age gap with Selena. Like he cool. could have been in his. <laughs> <laughs> Much like Arya and Aragorn, inevitably. Yes. <laughs> speaking of age gap, speaking yeah. of Arya, you know there were some changes. This yeah, book. she she put her hand on his knee one time, <laughs> okay. and, she, and she was about to be like, 
I'm worried about you when he is going to go into battle, but she didn't say it, so it's all subtle. Aragon didn't even notice, because he's all cool now. So now she's falling for him. Sort of, I guess. Something's happening. Yeah. She opened up about her past with that guy. Yes! That was a good moment. I like that. Oh, yeah, and then, like, I can't remember. Like, one of them made each other a flower, or, like, a boat or something. Yeah. They, like, made each other magical gifts or something. I don't remember. Aragon made the flower, and she made the boat. Yeah. Yeah. And then it showed up later in front of yeah. Laura and, and yeah. Katrina. And you know, best character Katrina. <laughs> really? Okay. Mm, well, before know. we go into that, <laughs> Fallon, right? Fallon made Arya a flower. Oh. Um, um, so yeah. Romance. So they're gonna get married. <laughs> <laughs> Elf love. Yeah. Okay. But uh, yeah, I thought their dynamic was just super interesting because yeah, I think it shows how much Aragon has grown. Because mm-hmm. in the second book, he was very, like, like it totally made sense that Arya would be like, you are, you don't know anything about the world, and these are yeah. just, like, it's just your first time experiencing these emotions, and, yeah. you know, I'm just going to dismiss you. Dalliance. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. this time, she really saw that he matured, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. Even though he's not quite as mature as her. Not quite 150 years old. <laughs> Still only about 17. <laughs> it seems pretty inevitable that they're going to get together. So there's still a weird contingency. Is that your prediction? Yeah. Yeah, I'll predict it. I'll predict it too. I'll co-sign that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll sign and tangent that. <laughs> we'll see. Good one. <laughs> Okay, why is Katrina your favorite character? <laughs> I was being sarcastic. Oh, She's terrible. okay. You She's not even sarcastic. a character. Yeah. She's barely a character. Yeah. She's so, every time she was in a scene, I was just waiting for her to exhibit some personality. And then it would be Roran coming up to her and being like, I'm so sad. And she'd be like, we can get through anything together. And then that was yeah. it. <laughs> I'm like, come on. Yeah. You know, I wrote down, you know, that spellcaster guy, Karn? Yeah. I was like, Karn x Roran. Like, they have way more chemistry than yeah. Katrina and Roran do. When he held Karn's face in his hands and was like, you can do this. Look into my eyes and concentrate on the spell. I was like, oh my god. Imagine doing this with Katrina. I can't. She is not a character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Karn has a personality. Yeah. His personality is tired. Tired magician. Yeah. He's doing his best. Well, she's He's... like strong woman. That's her personality. <laughs> she's good wife. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Wife. Good wife. Must protect wife. Pregnant wife. <laughs> Pregnant, yeah. Family. They made such a huge emphasis on like, can't know that we had premarital sex. <laughs> that's true. And then Aragon was like, were my parents married? <laughs> Which I guess makes sense for the yeah. time period. So I mean, like, it does that's part sense. of this culture in this fantasy world, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where oh. that comes from necessarily, but yeah. Bruh. Yeah. Dude, Arya can't even wear pants in the human world because oh, people true. are like, how dare you? Oh, so yeah. it's true. It's the humans, I guess, that are behind the times. It's true. Oh, but another thing I noticed culture-wise, not really... I, Unless systems of measurement are culture, I don't know if that's the case. But uh, this 
all fantasy worlds feel inherently very European to me. And even this one, I guess with the names and stuff. But they use the empirical system of measurement. <laughs> he was like, it's like three yards over there. And I was like, hold on a second. Um, you telling me that in this fantasy world, they use the empirical system of, of measurement. I don't believe that. That did not catch my attention. It did. Well, they also talk I'm about American. I guess they talk about like leagues. So I they have know. yards and leagues and feet. That's true. Well, they don't really talk about f- feet. I they feel. said feet and yards in the same sentence oh, that really? I thought. I was like <laughs> the empirical system. <laughs> well, you can't translate everything into a new thing. It's true in your fantasy world. They could use the metric system. What would the metric system be? Meters. Meters. Okay, but that sounds way not. What do you like mean? fantasy? Meters doesn't. Well, if you read the Rangers Apprentice, then you can see that they use meters all the time. <laughs> okay, well, okay. Do you know, um, have any more relation to this fantasy world than the other? That's true. So they're both stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a small point, but I just thought yeah. it was interesting. Yeah. Um, Why do all fantasy books feel so European, even when the author is American? Well, I don't know. This one in particular keeps reminding me of a lot of things from, like... Beowulf. Yeah, and, like, English and, like, Scandinavian, like, stuff. Mm. Like, Anglo-Saxon and, and, like, stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, there's that. The audiobook narrator is also British. So that was another thing. Well, I mean, and also, like, because, like, a lot of our fantasy books are, like, heavily based on, like, Lord of the Rings, right? And that, yeah. and he is, like, British, so. That's true. And a lot of his, like, the Hobbits are, like, based on British people okay. in the way that they are. So, <laughs> so, so I guess people. it sounds British just because of that. I don't know. Yeah. Strange. Yeah. Not many fantasy books are, well, that's not true. <laughs> not many high fantasy books, I guess, well-known ones are written by Americans. I don't know. Is George R. Martin American? I think so. Don't call me. I don't know. There's no way to know. If only we had some way of knowing. <laughs> but I don't really think. I think that probably just has to do with the history of the genre. Yeah. Yeah. More than anything. That's what I'm saying. So I think that's why it feels European, just because of the real-world history of the genre. Yeah. Well, I mean, like a lot of fantasy is also rooted in like medieval um, aesthetics, right? So. Yeah, that's true. That's very European. Well, I wanted to say something also very small, but it's about Katrina and I guess about culture. Just, I thought (laughs) it was, (laughs) I thought it was funny that at Roran and Katrina's wedding, they kept emphasizing like, and do you like give Katrina permission to control your finances? And blah 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 blah. And she's like, I accept my responsibility of like controlling the finances. And I feel like they were literally just like throwing her a bone, you know, like girl boss. <laughs> like everything is so sexist, but they're like, but in this universe, the woman controls the finances. <laughs> like thanks, I guess. I don't know. They kept emphasizing it so You're much. So right. It was that funny. Whole, the, the whole section with the vowels was another section yeah <laughs> just go on for so long. yeah <laughs> a little world building moment <laughs> but it wasn't because it was literally just like our like american or whatever 
or European, I guess, like weddings, except for they were like, and the woman controls the finances. <laughs> that's true. Uh, so I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> that's all. <laughs> Chelsea's not amused. <laughs> it was funny. Fun of the wedding <laughs> yeah, okay, it but it's, I don't, this, there are a lot of strong female characters that are not Katrina. There is, but why didn't they just might be too. make like? Why did he rely so much on like our wedding rituals? Like, why didn't he just make new ones if he was like these are sexist? You know. <laughs> and by him, I mean Christopher Paolini. Christopher Paolini. Yeah. Anyways, that doesn't matter. Let's talk about sling up. Let's talk about <laughs> blood garm. <laughs> Oh, okay. There you go. You're bringing it to the the important issue. Yes. There's a musky furry in this book that all the ladies have the hots for. Yes. I think we should read that passage. <laughs> okay. Who wants you to do a dramatic it, no. reading? Why not? Because I don't want it up. Uh, this is your case. You How long is it? Okay. It's, it's like a paragraph. Enough. Okay. I will read. But try to be like Make it, like, sexy. Oh, God. <laughs> um, you can do it. I'll do... I believe I, in you. I'm not... I, I don't know if I can do that, but I'll do my best. Okay. When he was still several hundred feet away, the lead elf appeared soot black from head to toe. At first, Nazwada assumed he was dark-skinned, like herself, and wearing dark attire. But as he drew closer, she saw that the elf wore only a loincloth and a braided fabric belt with a small pouch attached. <laughs> the rest of him was covered with midnight blue fur that glistened with a healthy sheen under the glare of the sun. <laughs> On average, the fur was a, a quarter inch long, a smooth, flexible armor that mirrored the shape and movement of the underlying muscles. <laughs> but on his ankles and the undersides of his forearms, it extended a full two inches, and between his shoulder blades, there was a ruffled a mane. Two <laughs> a ruffled mane that stuck out a hand's breadth from his body and tapered down along his back to the base of his spine. Jagged bangs shadowed his brow and cat-like tufts sprouted from the tips of his pointed ears, but otherwise the fur on his face was so short and flat only its color betrayed its presence. His eyes were bright yellow. Instead of fingernails, a claw protruded from each of his middle fingers, and as he slowed to a stop before her, Nazwada noticed that a certain odor surrounded him. A salty musk reminiscent of dry juniper wood, oiled leather, and smoke. It was such a strong smell and so obviously masculine. Nazwada felt her skin go hot and cold and crawl with anticipation, and she blushed and was glad it would not show. <laughs> Thank you. It's so... It's so much uh, hornier than I... <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, that went on for way too long with it way did. too much detail. Okay. I like it. So that's it's that guy. It's pretty hilarious. <laughs> that's, the char- that's the lead of Aragon's security team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <The> musky furry. <laughs> Elf. Yeah. I feel like there was... He must have been aware, you know? He's I wonder, fan service. Yeah, I mm. wonder if part of it was like, yeah, just like making something because he knows that furries exist and he thought that it was funny. <laughs> yeah. This is written probably in like prime DeviantArt era, right? If it's in the early 2010s, early 2000s, late 2000s. Yeah. That's what I assume, right? 
Yeah, just the smell thing is like kind of unnecessary, the you know. Musk. But and it's like it's something that all women love. Yeah. yeah. That was the most offensive part. Like, most offensive part. <laughs> like, why did Nuzwata have to be attracted to it, like, against her will? I mean, so, but does that just mean that Bloodgarm, like, because elves control their, like, bodies and stuff. So he, like, yeah. willingly gave Puts himself a scent that attracts females against their will. Like, was that his choice? Against their will. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, Saphira and Aragorn had this conversation, right? Where Aragorn was like, why did this why why did he do this? And I think they were like it was either Safira or Aragon who said like well elves like they do things for their like own purposes and it might have just been an unintended side effect. And it's probably unlikely that he did it to attract human women, right? Because he's mm-hmm. an elf. So Well, it was annoying. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> His musk. They did bring up the musk every time he was there. It was like, and then his musk came into the room right after him. (laughs) And all the ladies went limp. (laughs) Okay, yes. I do think that this book is pretty... There are some elements. There are some sexual elements. I had a gender and sexuality reading of Aragon. Interesting. Okay. I want to check my notes for my exact reading of it. Safira walked in on Roran and Katrina having sex. Oh yeah, that's true. Well, she didn't walk in. Her mind walked Her in. Her mind walked in. <laughs> Roran's mind. She was there mentally. Okay, my theory is that Aragon is the anti-toxic masculinity hero. Okay. Because his like whole like character is built around the fact that he does not want power or leadership or like fame or and he detests violence. For the most part. Mm-hmm. He does have, like, some moral conflicts with, like, <laughs> the joy of battle or whatever. He has his moments, yeah. He's, like, he's, like, you know, he has, like, PTSD from battle. And he's, like, mm-hmm. why? And then he, like, cries and stuff. Yeah, he, like, cries. He is really, like, emotional. And his entire character is based around, like, like sympathy and, like, thinking a lot about the morality of his actions. I think... And I think he's, like, very contrasted with Roran, right? Like, mm-hmm. Roran is, like, a very masculine Mega hero. Chad. Yeah. yeah. Um, Giga Chad. <laughs> I'm trying to see if I had any specific moments. Of Roran being masculine? No, I mean, there, are, the there are many of those. I mean, I of Aragorn being feminine. Oh, okay. Well, he cries a lot, I guess. Yeah, he cries a lot. Like, the whole thing with Sloane, right, is that, like, he can't bring himself to, like, be the active reason why Sloane dies. So he invents a very elaborate way to save his life. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very in tune with his feelings. And I really enjoy that. And, like, even his physical appearance. Like, the whole thing is that he, like, kind of looks feminine, too. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, like, a very different model of hero. Um, and then the other thing that I was going to say is that there was so much emphasis on Aragorn not having a sword for most of the book. Uh, the and you know, you know what a sword stands for. Yeah. He's like, it was I like need a sword. Literally every like three chapters, he, he like says, says that. I need a sword. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but then it's like his masculinity was taken away because Murtag took away his sword, right? Because he was defeated in battle, yeah. And then he, like, 
gets it back. But I'm like wondering what his but sword it lights on fire now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like wondering what his sword says about him. Like if we can draw any conclusions from it. Mm, he's got a fiery manhood, <laughs> passionate flames. See, um, I don't think that makes any sense in terms of like a. <laughs> I mean, he had to work really hard to earn it, and he, he like, had to let a woman control him in order for him <laughs> <laughs> to get his manhood back. The swordsmith took control of his yes, arms. The swordsmith like puppeted did, him. <laughs> yeah, she did do that. So there is that. Like he was being controlled, but you can also think about it as like I mean, he like forged it with his own hands. So that's like that's mm-hmm. significant. I feel it's also modeled after Safira. Yeah, mm. a woman. <laughs> a girl a boss. A woman. Sapphira <laughs> is a girl boss. No, I think Sapphira is better than a girl boss. Yeah, I think that a lot of Aragorn's personality is also probably really influenced by Sapphira as well. Yeah. Sapphira well, isn't the most like feminine <laughs> like icon, I guess, like in the traditional sense. Well, no, she's not very stereotypically feminine. No. Well, okay, she's actually really vain, but she just... In- I think it's just, you can't put masculinity and femininity onto dragons in the same way, because the whole thing is that all (laughs) dragons kind of have, like, a certain, almost, like, religious relationship with violence. Mm. Um, The dragon urge to commit violence. (laughs) Yes. So I don't think that's, like, a gendered thing that she, Mm -hmm. like, enjoys that. But she is very vain about her appearance. And she does, she did have a little fling with Glader. Well, she had a terrible did she? encounter with Glader. She, didn't she try and fail? And then she got yeah. attacked okay. and mauled horribly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, that one chapter that was in her perspective where she was like, I am the most beautiful creature on this earth. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Sephira, there are multiple chapters in Sephira's point of view, and I did not like any of them. I thought... They were all so annoying. <laughs> you know what was funny about them? Is that she called people two legs. Yeah. Oh, that's what they call them in Warrior Cats. Ha-ha. Like in Warrior Cats. <laughs> wow, I didn't even notice that. And no. Oh, yeah, go ahead. They called, let's see, they called the ocean big water, like in Land Before Time. Uh, yeah, but my other, <laughs> I mean, I get, like, I guess she's, like, she's, like, code switching, right? Like. it was just like weird to me how all of a sudden she had all these like very like simplistic i guess like dragon terms to refer to things but when she talks to aragon or anyone else she just speaks like whatever their language is like fluently well see i don't think those chapters really make sense because it's supposed to be being told from her perspective but it's like how like why would most of it be in like normal english and like syntactic um, like conventions, but then just certain nouns are like yeah. big tooth claw. Yeah, like, yeah you yeah, know, yeah. I did not like that. I would have been fine if she just referred to things the same. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. That was interesting. I mean, that's something that you know comes up in Warrior Cats, but it's less weird in Warrior Cats because they're cats, like dumb cats that have their little dramas but then like they make such an emphasis that dragons are these intelligent creatures that are higher than humans on the intelligence scale and then they're like but then she has these dumb animal names for like (laughs) things that there are more like you know like uh, actual names for (laughs) that she knows and she uses yeah 
I just thought it was unnecessary. And then Safira herself was pretty annoying. <laughs> and Sephira like Safira was annoying. <laughs> yeah, I mean you were talking about how she like was bragging on herself so much, which I know mm-hmm. that's part of her character, but yeah, I just didn't yeah. I didn't need to be in her mind experiencing her <laughs> point of view of that. And then also I just don't feel like a ton happened whenever it was her point of view. Like when it went to that chapter, I was just like, uh <laughs> That's true. Yeah. She was like here we go again, another day of monotony. Yeah. It's like, wow, very cool to read this. Yeah. Well, uh, Aragon is being attacked by ninjas, yeah. dwarves in the, <laughs> in the mountains. <laughs> oh, I wanted to say something about the sexuality point. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> like, I think it's interesting how much uh innuendo goes into anything sexual in these books like the whole thing where like Safira was in on Roran and Katrina having sex and it was like the way they said that was like uh Katrina reached out to Roran's mind and she assessed his emotions and realized that oh he was like doing something and she giggled to herself and that's all that she said and you get what that means yeah but like they describe like gore in such like <laughs> horrific detail it's like gray pieces of brain matter clung <laughs> to the sword as he pulled it out and it's like oh my god like why why is this book not like an adult book from that but i'm sure if he did describe like more sexual things it would be classified as an adult book <laughs> you know i mean yeah. isn't that just the america we live in that violence <laughs> is <laughs> Violence is like normalized <laughs> and sexuality is shamed. I mean, yeah, yeah. media in general. Yeah. But he doesn't have to lean into it, right? Well, I don't even know if it was a conscious decision, but it's, I think it's just like an assumption that people have that's like, oh, for like a YA book, like it's like the same thing with like violent video games and stuff, right? It's like, hmm. it's okay for like people to be exposed to violence, but like it's not okay for kids to read about sex. Yeah, I think that's just the way it is. Uh. <laughs> okay, but something else I wanted that what you said reminded me of yeah. is that during the when all the Carvajal women were oh this okay this moment well it connects so many dots of things <laughs> I was trying to say so during like while they're preparing for the wedding right mm-hmm. first of all Aragon's like what can I do here and what does he choose to do. He chooses to sit with the other women to knead bread. The other women. Aragon, <laughs> <laughs> anti-toxic masculinity hero. Mm-hmm. Yes. Also, during that same exchange, the women start making dirty jokes about the wedding night. And then mm-hmm. somebody says, like, let's hope that Roran's sword doesn't bend in battle. And that's, like, just another connection oh. with, like, sword yeah. being, like, manhood. <laughs> and then yeah. it was like, Aragon blushed. His <laughs> <laughs> sword doesn't bend in battle. Why? Well, I completely didn't get that for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was really, I was thinking hard about the sword. <laughs> yeah. So. Yep, aren't we all? Working for the knife, thinking about the sword. <laughs> uh okay another thing that i took a ton of notes on was like all of the similar to the last book where aragon studies with the elves and he becomes a vegetarian um and he also has a long discussion with ormus about religion i think and morality in this book 
Aragon kind of like doubles back on both of the hard stances that he took on religion and <laughs> yeah. uh, vegetarianism. Wow, you know, I disagree I thought, completely. Really? Well, let me <laughs> yeah. let me explain why I think that. Because I mean, he doesn't like go one eighty. It's like a ninety. <laughs> he goes back like ninety degrees. Like initially, he was like, well, he had this whole segment in this book where he was like, you know. I I did I was completely grossed out by eating meat and I felt really bad about it because I can see in animals' minds, but when it's necessary to my survival, it can't be too bad to or when it's like polite, it can't be too bad to have a little bit of meat. And that's okay. And that's what he decided to go with. And then with religion, uh I mean I guess it wasn't entirely clear what his stance was on religion in the last book, but it seemed more like he just was overwhelmed by the amount of religions that there were. And he was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and then in this book, he was like, you know what? Maybe the dwarf God is real. And I should, and I wish that I believed in the dwarf God. And yeah. he prayed to the dwarf God at some point. Um, so there was that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I misinterpreted what you were saying. Cause I thought what you were saying was that he got more hard line on both of his stances. No. But I think you're right. Like, he got... He became more moderate, especially with, like... Yeah, I thought that that was cool. Because yeah. I... Yeah, because I think that's also just a part of maturing as a person. Mm-hmm. I do think that's... Because, you know, in the last book, I was convinced that it was, like, Christopher Paolini's, like, agenda. That he was, like, vegetarianism is the way to go. But in this book, it feels like it's his agenda to be like, you know, sometimes you can mess up with being a vegetarian and that's okay. <laughs> because he does that personally or something. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm impressed at his ability to hide that that was his true opinion throughout the whole last book, if that's the case. And go with, like, the the character arc of, like, Aragon. Like, yeah, I think we looked this up last time, but... Christopher Paulini is not vegetarian. Yeah. <laughs> like, he just... So this is his true opinion. <laughs> yeah, I think he just thinks that it's, like, ethically correct. Yeah. And he had Aragon go on that journey as well. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So I, I thought that was clever. The vegetarian one, to me, like, the whole, like, progression of, like, the message or whatever was a bit mm-hmm. muddled. I But, like, the religion one I thought was super interesting, like, arc. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Because he prayed um, to the dwarf god. Yeah, I and I don't remember why he did, but I feel like it was like in a time of like desperate need, he like decided yeah. to pray to the dwarf I don't god. Why yeah, and then I think also when he was visiting, was it Oryx? No, it wasn't Oryx's mother. It was the mother of like a dwarf who died to yeah. save him, Aragorn. Yes. And like he was like fascinated and like sympathetic with like the mom like using religion to like cope with her loss, and he was like amazed by how it comforted her or whatever. Yeah, and I was like, wow, it's just like in real life. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that conversation was very intriguing to me, or that scene yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Well, he had a whole section where he was like, you know, he made several poignant. Uh, points in a row about religion and the one that i wrote down after i was like hit like tied up the time <laughs> like that gif of no face from spirit <laughs> yeah like the final one that i wrote down he said perhaps every religion contains fragments of the truth i guess that's like what he settled on yeah he's like you know each religion can't be correct because they're all at odds with each other but perhaps every religion contains fragments of the truth yeah i thought that was neat so that's pretty neat. That was one passage that I was considering we could read. Yeah. But. 
the musky furry is definitely yeah. better. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and Jode also has a line where he says, are not all religions strange to those who stand outside them? <laughs> there, there are a lot of little moments of like, the sky opens up and Christopher Paolini's face appears and he <laughs> speaks to the character. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys have any other burning topics? Mm, I wrote down Morzin is hot, but <laughs> don't. <laughs> oh yeah, he's like a freaking, he's like a Tumblr sexy man. No, yeah, he, he kind <laughs> he's of He's got is. the different colored eyes and the, what? He and had, I like, think he had dark hair, hair yeah. Yeah. I don't remember That's in what remember. context, like, a vision of him appeared. He had a red sword. But... Yeah. Okay, well, you guys have problems. No, okay. I wasn't Anyways. attracted to him. I was like, He's just hot because... Appealing to something. Yeah. <laughs> the I just like... Okay. Blodgarm. No, it's like, it's like how they describe Blodgarm, except for to a lesser extent. They, like, made That's him true. see... They focused a ton on, like, his physical mm-hmm. appearance in great detail for Morzen. And I was just like, this is funny. I do want to talk about some things that I liked about the book. Since I'm Thank God. <laughs> out of all 800,000 pages of it, there were some things that I did enjoy. Yes. Um, let's see. One thing I liked was Naswada. She's great. Mm-hmm. She's a great character. Um, I liked the reasoning of some of like the plans, including one of her plans or whatever, Like where she was like, we're going to send you off to the dwarf kingdom, and then we're going to keep... As Fira here, and then Aragon was like, "No," and she was like, "Yes," and she was so powerful in that yeah. moment. I was like, "Yeah, girl boss." <laughs> so that was really cool. Uh, and then, oh yeah, the parts that I enjoyed the most of this book, uh, and I had just listened to the East episode again <laughs> because I wanted to. But like, there was we concluded that one of the messages of that book was like the 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 more like normal moments outside of all the magic or what really matters or whatever yeah. or, like what has real value and i definitely felt that with freaking brissinger because i realized that the moments i enjoyed the most were the moments where safira was just not there <laughs> like in the beginning where like aragon stays behind after they kill the razak and uh like Arya joins up with him and they have to walk back or run back, I guess, to the Varden on foot. And they have all these like little moments and they have to fight things by hand and like people by hand. And they don't just have like an OP dragon to like kill everybody. (laughs) And then also later in the book, when Aragon is going without Sephira to the dwarf mountain or whatever with the Urgle, like, and they had to like fight the wolves off and they had, or the Shurg or whatever they're called. That's how the audiobook narrator said it. He rolled his R for such a long time. <laughs> what is this word? Shurg. Um, but like that moment, and then when they had to like cook together, that was very domestic and nice. Um, but yeah, when you casually like, use the stomach of a boar, it was a bear. To boil your stew, the stomach of a bear, a, a cave bear, if you. Will. <laughs> I like the existence of cave bear as well. See, that felt, those moments felt a lot more, you know, like, relatable and, like, down-to-earth, I guess, because there wasn't a dragon there. 
and it was just like a person talking to an Urgle or another or an elf. Yeah. It's still more human, <laughs> I guess, than the alternative. <laughs> but a, those are great. A man, an oiled man wrestling an Urgle. <laughs> <laughs> just an oiled man wrestling oh. an Urgle. Classic okay, David and Goliath. <laughs> yeah. I definitely <laughs> cared a lot less about the roaring parts in this book than I did in the last book. Yeah, they were like, kind okay. of just like huge battles with near misses over and over yeah. again. But yeah, okay, okay. one thing Katrina. that I wanted to bring up with that is, what do you think about the flogging? Um, Reminded me of Outlander. <laughs> um, I, wait, I don't know what you mean. Specifically. When like, got flogged. No, but I mean, like, yeah. what, what about it am I thinking about? Like, like... Like the legal issue? No, yeah, do you mean, like, do I think that, like, Nazwada should have went through with it? Or, like, what did I think about the scene? Or, like, everything? Yeah, just, like, the ethics of, like, mm. some a subordinate disobeying their superior. But then it has, like, obviously it was the strategic yeah. thing to do. Yeah. I feel like I agree that it was maybe... Not the right thing, but the best thing. But now I feel like I sound like evil saying that. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> well, it makes sense for their laws, I guess, right? And then later she gives him, like, I knew she wouldn't just punish him and not, like, give him a reward. Yeah. For, and not, like, punish the captain who was inept. Yeah. Like, she gave him his own command later because she was like, the only person you can disobey now is me. So it was a very, like, political move, I guess, yeah. for her to flog him and then give him a command later. Oh, you know what it reminds me of? What? Outland. Reminds me of Ender's Game. Oh. No. Warrior uh, Cats. <laughs> Did that happen to Warrior Cats? Well, I also want to hear about the Ender's Game one. But, I, like, so many times when, like, Firepaw and Greypaw got in trouble, Blue Star was just like, I'm going to give you this punishment, but actually, good job. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's true. Ain't that just the way? Yeah. On Ender's Game, I was just thinking about how they just traumatize him with <laughs> violence repeatedly. But then it's like, I don't know. It's for the greater good or whatever. Yeah. Uh, That's true, I guess. It's for yeah. a greater political aim. Yeah. Politics. There were a lot of politics in this book as well. The dwarf politics. Mm -hmm. I zoned out during those parts too. <sighs> I did not remember any of the dwarfs' names besides Oric. There was that sexy dwarf. Yeah. Yeah, the hot woman dwarf. You know, that was another thing I wrote down. I was like, Aragon could get with a dwarf. Like, they also <laughs> live a really long time. But much like Edith Fateau with the bear, Christopher Paolini is too much of a coward <laughs> to have Aragon get with the dwarf. Yes. <laughs> he totally could. His reasoning remains the same. <laughs> yes. Also, the whole, you know, that quote from Lord of the Rings... It's like, <laughs> it's like Gimli's, like, the fact that all the dwarf women are bearded leads many to believe that there are no dwarf women, but this is not the case. I don't know. I, don't know. I just feel like there aren't a lot of dwarf women in Aragon. But there was that hot one. Yeah. Kept, like, no, and there was the Aragon. mom. The that's mom true. of the okay, person so that two no, women and 50,000 okay, men. But that's, <laughs> no, but that's like the thing with this intersection with gender and like yeah. race. Like we talked before about how like the dwarves are the dwarves and the urgles are like masculine 
ma- like they're coded to be masculine yeah. and the elves are coded to be feminine. So I think in that way, like it seems more acceptable to sexualize like the feminine race mm. as opposed to the masculine race. Yeah. Sad but true. <laughs> just the way we live in a society where dwarves can't be sexy. <laughs> well, she, but she was. She was. But Aragon was like uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. She wasn't musky like the furry. <laughs> she didn't have like men dropping down all around her. But whatever. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> let's let's wrap things up. Okay. okay. What let's let's go through the ratings. Okay. Okay. I have to think. Oh well, I wanna go first. Okay. okay. <laughs> go ahead. Do it. I actually don't even know what I'm about to say. So um, why <laughs> then why do you have to go first? Because <laughs> I just want to say that this is my favorite book of the inheritance cycle. Yeah. And I think this time reading through it, what I did realize is that it is very long. And there yes. were some parts of it that were Yeah. But I think the I think the way that I've always reread the book is just to read the parts that I like. Ah. Which is always the beginning. I really like the beginning. Like the rescue mission with Roran and Aragon. I really like the part with Arya. And how... And the, the cool part with that passage too is also that Arya like made herself look human too. So they were like on the same level. That's true. Um, and... I don't think I read the store parts. I like when they go back to the elves. Yeah, those are the parts that I enjoy. Mm. Okay. Yeah, and I think that some things were just like really novel to me as a kid when I read it. Like the twist, I was like so shooketh. Brom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brom. Yeah. I was shooketh too. Yeah. But in a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> I was mad. <laughs> and I... I just enjoyed the traveling narratives. Mm-hmm. It's true. The traveling was the best part. Yeah. So I give it a... If I'm being realistic, <laughs> what did I give Elvist? I don't remember. 4.2. Think... Okay, this is a 4.5 out of 5. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. But this is your favorite, so the next one will be lower than that. Yes. Hmm. But it's not because there are things that I specifically dislike about the last book. It's just that there are things I just enjoy, like, the plot points of this one more. Makes sense. Okay, carry on, Nikki. Oh, I give this a four stars. I don't know, I usually don't do, like, so many decimals, except for, like, 0.5 maybe. But I'm giving it <laughs> I'm giving it four. Um, I think it would go, like, Brissinger, Aragon, Eldest. Eldest was like Eldest a, at the bottom. It was a huge slump for me. I didn't Can't really enjoy this. it as much. Okay. Yeah. But I like this one a lot. So I'll give it four stars. You did? Yeah. It's like what, I feel what like you like the most. What what I like about it the most. Yeah. Um I liked I feel like well, I liked all the stuff Chelsea said, but like the parts that you mentioned were like also probably the best parts in my opinion. But also I feel like I liked a lot of like the world building stuff that happened, like with the the dragon hearts like i thought that was interesting to read about i also honestly kind of liked the dwarf politics even though it was kind of long <laughs> i don't know just stuff like that yeah 
I, I feel like it was like pretty fast moving. Like there was a lot of interesting plot points. Mm. So yeah. And I liked the <laughs> there was major character death. <laughs> oh, that's true. Rest in peace, Ormus. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know. I just feel like that always makes it a more interesting read like <laughs> but emotionally. it's so anticlimactic because they made a big deal it's like it we're is. going to leave the forest for the first time and reveal our power <laughs> oh, to count stars so and then they die immediately but of course yeah they're uh, fighting against Murtag and Murtag can't die because he has to fight Aragon so obviously they're not going to beat Murtag so you just know that they're going to die going into that fight and also I already knew that Ormus was going to die because I predicted it <laughs> yeah I don't know it was kind of sad though when it was like Glader's consciousness like without yeah. Mormus, that was really sad. So, anyways, yeah, there are a lot the of way- like good moments in this book. <laughs> what? Yeah, the way the audiobook narrator did the part where he goes alone, alone, alone. Yeah, he goes alone, <laughs> <laughs> and it just made me crack up, and I well, couldn't take no it good. seriously. <laughs> like it was definitely very dramatic, but it was like melodramatic. There's yeah. probably no good way to narrate that part. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, carry on. Rest well, assured. It. Yeah. It was sad. Rest assured yeah. it was sad. <laughs> Did you cry? Um, there was a part that I teared up. I almost teared up. It was when um Rowan and Katrina reunite in the beginning. Oh, Goodness. Yeah. Makes sense. Romance. But anyways, continue with your reading. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Let's see. I liked Eldest more. I liked Eldest a lot. There was a lot of good Ormus airtime. That's the the best part of it. This book, I think I liked about like 30% of it generously, 20% less generously. (laughs) And that part was when they were traveling. All the, I mean, probably what influenced me as well is that it, I, was cramming it within like a week of reading and it's so long yeah (laughs) but um so a lot of it kind of flew over my head and a lot of it felt very long-winded for no reason and I was like this book could be so much shorter and I feel like I would have if this book was two books and it was like split I saw a very clear place where this book could be split like so easily like you know, the wedding fight, like the whole big battle that happened mm. when Rorin and Katrina's wedding was supposed to happen. Yeah. That would be the climax of the first book. And then when Aragon sets out to leave for the dwarf mountain, that's where it ends. And then the next book picks up from there. So easy. So easy. <laughs> it could have been so good as two books. But since it was one book and I had to finish it in a month. I will give it like 3.75 stars, which isn't that low, but it's like, whatever. <laughs> it's not a four. It was all right. It exhausted me, <laughs> except for a good 30%. And that was okay. pretty great. Well, I, I will say that I think that we really discount, or was it, we underemphasize the um, impact that our reading experience has on mm. how we like books. Like, I really do think it's yeah. a major reason why people don't like certain books. So yeah. we'll have more time for the last book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Final predictions going mm. into the last book. How do you think this series is going to end? I think Galvatorix is going to get stabbed with a sword. <laughs> <laughs> um... 
Yeah. I don't think Murtag is going to die. Mm. I'm not looking at the screen, so I don't want to see Chelsea's <laughs> she's making. <laughs> well, what do you think is going to happen to him? I think... Uh, well, he has to have some sort of consequence for his actions, right? I feel like he might be, like, disabled somehow or something like that. Or, like, something bad is going to happen to him. But I don't think he'll die. Yeah, I can see that. And I think maybe, maybe Aragon will still best him, but yeah. not kill him. And then yeah. maybe he can even become a friend again in the future. Yeah. Who knows? Because if Galbatorix dies, I feel like maybe then Mur Murtag would just be free, right? So Yeah. And they can't, like, his situation is so sad. Yeah. Like, they can't justify, <laughs> like, killing him when he's not doing any of this yeah. for his own gain. <laughs> yeah. And then I think um, something will happen with Aragon and Arya. Mm -hmm. I think... Like so, what? Romance. A romance, but I don't know. I don't know if it's like they'll get married. I don't know. It might just be like maybe a mutual acknowledgement that they have some kind of feelings for each other. A firm handshake. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think... I already said I thought Arya would have the last dragon. Oh, um, Yeah. And since the last dragon is male and Saphira is female, I think that Aragon and Arya are going to get together and their dragons are going to get together. <laughs> That's yeah. what I'm thinking. And then, yeah. Is there anybody else that's important? No. Oh, okay, cool. Naswada. <laughs> is Naswada going to find love? No. She said she was lonely. Really? Yeah, that's true. Oh. No, yeah, she was like looking at Roran and was like, "Oh, I'm so lonely." <laughs> Maybe she can get with a blood garm. <laughs> okay, the musky bird. <laughs> yeah, happy ending for both of them. Yep, I think uh, the scary purple-eyed child is gonna do something that severely hinders Aragon <laughs> because she has this terrible. And I think that the woman. Whose husband died because of Roran. Oh, yeah. Sort of. I think she's going to do... Yeah. Yeah, she I has to she's do something. she's going to do something to Roran. But it can't be that bad, I guess. I don't know. Can it? I was just thinking about that. Like, what if something really bad happens to Roran? Yeah. I would As a find that interesting. woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I think... Yeah. There's a lot of, like I said before, like, Christopher Pauly plants a lot of small things that seem like they're going to come back. So Aragon gave them, um, Rowan and Katrina, like, something, I think it was like, you can call out to me whenever you need my help and I'll come to you. So they're definitely oh, yeah. going to have to use that. Like, they're going to be true. in some really bad situation, I think. That's true. And possibly Rowan even dies. <laughs> Whoa, Rowan Are you putting that out there? Putting that energy out there? Yes, I'm putting negative energy towards Rowan. Yeah. You're yeah. manifesting it. Okay. Yes. These are some very interesting predictions. Yeah. Uh, who else could die? Maybe an Aswada. I don't want her to die. Maybe. I will say, I think that a lot of unexpected things happen in the unexpected book. maybe even yeah. katrina will die and then that will cause roran to do something <laughs> berserk. big yeah yeah like attack um murtag or something if they're in battle so katrina seems like she's ripe to die yeah <laughs> <laughs> she has no personality beyond roran cares about her so <laughs> yeah maybe she'll even die in childbirth I knew you're gonna say that. Woman. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. <laughs> it could happen. 
Maybe Horse's wife will die because she's also about to have a child. Oh, Elaine. Yeah, you know these characters' names. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised I remembered Horst. Yeah. Every time I hear his name, I think horse. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is a horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I think some people are going to die. Yeah, probably. That's Somebody's going to die. Maybe. I think several people, hopefully. Several people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's not even that. <laughs> Ideally. I don't even dislike Alatorics them. will die. I just think it's interesting, you know, like, okay. as a reader. Well, so. I, I feel like I can already um, predict the things you're going to find wrong with the last book. <laughs> um, but okay. I think a lot of unexpected things. So yeah, happen. I take that to mean there's going to be a bunch of plot twists out of, out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's what Nikki likes. Anyways, it's fine. That's what thanks Bobo so Bagen much seems. for listening. <laughs> Next episode, we are going to be having a special guest our friend Amber, and we're going to be talking about Stargirl and the sequel, and the movie, which I think yeah. is, what is the sequel called? It's called Love Stargirl, I think. Yeah. And then after that will be the conclusion to the Inheritance Cycle. Yes. The longest book I've ever read as of then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. We'll cool. see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.